Okay, welcome to uh, this broadcast and future podcast uh, on the bag. What? Let me let me start that again. Welcome to Bagpipe Nation. It's March third. Uh, what's the year? Two thousand and eleven. So it seems. And uh, uh, yeah, so we're coming to you live, and I'm here with my illustrious uh, co-host Vin Janowski. I think is Vin out there somewhere. Finn, are you out there somewhere, man? <laughs> I'm here now. Oh, there you are. Okay, beautiful. And um, <clears throat> how's it going in uh, New Jersey? Sunny, snowy, cloudy? It's been great. It's been clear. The snow has finally melted. It's gone? Pretty much. I don't, that means only one thing. It's competition season coming up. That's right. And uh, also joining us tonight is a special guest from uh, somewhere in Massachusetts. Uh, and his name is Adam Holdaway, pipe major of the Stuart Highlanders Pipe Band uh, from the Worcester area. So I think, Adam, you're out there somewhere, right? Hello, Bagpipe Nation. Excellent. So, uh, Vin, what are we talking about tonight? Tonight, well, we got we have Adam, Adam on, the, on the line here, and I guess uh... – we should find out a little bit about him and where things are going with the Stuart Highlanders. I think they have a, they have a concert coming up in a few weeks. Isn't that right, Adam? Uh, yeah, last Saturday of this month, the 26th. Yeah, and the, there's also the uh, – Excellent. Now, there's also the Back Bay solo contest that morning as well, I think. Now, is that directly associated with uh, the Stuart Highlanders? Or I know there's some involvement there, right? Uh, well, I uh, judged the event last year, and I'll be judging it again this year. But there's um, there's no direct uh, correlation between the games and, and, the, and the band. So cool. It, it works out nice to have a have a contest in the morning, and you know, folks that might be traveling stay overnight and stay for the concert. Cool. So, Adam, tell us a little bit about uh, your history. Um, where, when, and where did you learn how to play? And sort of what, you know, in in uh, three minutes or less, sort of what brought you to where you are today? Well, I started playing when I was about eleven, uh, not very seriously. But my first instructor was a fellow named Archie McLeod, who uh, settled here. He was from Scotland. Uh, he was a pupil of Robert Reed's and he was actually born in the U.S., but uh, moved to Scotland with his parents and ended up coming back to serve uh, in the Marines in World War II. And uh, I began... Hello? Hello, I'm here. Are you there? Oh, sorry, connections. We're all here. Go ahead. Keep going, Adam. Hello? Are you there, Adam? We can hear you. Hmm. Oh, the wonders of modern tech. Ever since my mother started complaining that she can't hear us, uh, the connection started to go funky. Any luck, Adam? Well, hopefully we'll get him back. I think we will, yeah. I'm wondering uh, if we should move on and and then maybe uh, uh, wait for him to come back on and we can hear more later. Does that sound good? 
sounds good to me. Um, well, you mentioned you mentioned the Back Bay solo contest, and um, which is happening is what is twenty sixth of March, right? Um, that's that's one of a seems to be a series of um, you know independently runs solo contests, indoor events that uh, seem to be sort of popping up on the circuit, um, much like the or more indoor, which happened this past Saturday, correct? That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and from what I understand, the back bay is run by John Daggett, who's a really good piper from somewhere in new England. I can't specify exactly where for risk of not being correct, but, um, and I know that John is, works really hard to put together, a, uh, you know, I think what started out as a very, uh, very humble contest and now is, is sort of growing in size. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's out of an effort of just trying to trying to get something going during the off season, so that it's not, you know, uh, seven to nine months in between contests. By the time you get to the end of September, do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that was more or less the impetus behind setting up these indoors for the Oramore Band, correct? That's right. Yeah. So we actually we had an outstanding event uh, this past weekend. We had over a hundred people registered to compete which uh, when we first started this uh, would have been two, maybe three years ago. I believe it was spring of 2008 was our first one. And I think we had somewhere to the extent of 35 or 40 soloists sign up. Uh, And at that point, it was a non-sanctioned games. And the following year, it was, again, not sanctioned. And we had, we might have gotten to 50. And then since sanctioning the event, uh, we've had a lot greater... um, entry um and then uh through through the genius efforts of uh our team that we have here in Oren Moore especially um Stephanie my wife um she's really great with the twitter and the uh and the uh and yeah Pat says I should credit my mom too and obviously uh yeah she's she's okay although she annoys me with uh uh you know all of her She's apparently there's an echo or something. You know what I mean? There might be an echo. You should you should back away from like the Grand Canyon and it'll be clear. It'll be crystal clear. Anyway, but I digress. Uh, so my point would be we had a great turnout uh, thanks to a great effort from the team here at Oren Moore. And uh, we had some outstanding guest judges, including um, Nancy Toncliffe, June Hanley, um, and Donald, who uh, – was gracious enough to spend his time with us as well. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question, Vin, at all? Yeah. No, I, I think how many, how many soloists showed up on Saturday? Well, like mm. I said, we had over 100 people kind of, registered. Kind of growth, and, uh, uh, yeah, okay. so we had over 100 people. Uh, in January, we had roughly uh, 75 people sign up. So uh, there's definite growth between January and February. And I believe that, that um, even our last year's February event, which may have actually, I think it was a March event last year. I, I don't think we hit the 75 mark. So it's been steadily growing. And um, I think it's really good. And the quality of play for the record, in my opinion, has also been uh, getting better and better. I think, you know, now people are starting to expect con- contests earlier in the year. And so they're getting themselves going sooner in the year. And um, from our point of view, that can only be good for, you know, the musical uh, quality throughout the community is, you know, to keep people playing at a high level uh, for bigger chunks of the year. 
Um, absolutely. So it went really well. I think last year, I think last year, the, the Orange War was was um was was the same weekend as like two others at the same time. Yes. And I, and I remember going down to Virginia at that point, and um, you know, essentially competing against myself. But uh, but you, but uh, it's it's so it's a, I guess a a testament to I guess everybody's enthusiasm that you have more than at least one people, you know, one person in <laughs> a grade, <laughs> which is, which is cool. Anyway. You could, you could call us a people in a certain way, you know, we're sort of a people. Yeah. We've got a certain, <laughs> we've got a certain culture. So, you know, it was sort of a, a nice, uh, refreshing slip there, Ben. It's good to know that you're human. <laughs> it's good to know. Oh yeah. Um, I, I, I Sorry. was, I, sometimes I get worried that you're too grammatically correct. Um, <laughs> It's the training. It's yeah. Is. So uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, what else do we need to know about the Orinmore Indoor? I know that there's several people out there in the audience today that were there. I'm wondering if they might give uh, share any of their experiences about the event. Well, let me, well, yeah. Let me ask this question to everybody out there who, who was there. I mean, do you find that do you find the contest early as it is to be a, a good thing for you personally for your playing, or do you find it to be sort of a Oh my gosh! Another contest I have to worry about going to. <laughs> you know, I mean, I suspect that the former is true, but um, I'd like to hear it from some some somebody who was there. Give me something. Don't make me call people out by name. I can I can see at least five people that were there, <laughs> some of which are my students. We had uh, this is Pat. We had an interesting uh, um, two competitions. The last two that Oren Moore did here. My uh, up-and-coming piping, uh, uh, my son, who's an up-and-coming piping student, uh, in the first competition was uh, just beyond himself in terms of being nervous. And in this last one, really kind of settled in and did a great job with it and enjoyed the fact that he was able to kind of test himself early on. And I think, Vin, that's one of the things that, that you guys were just talking about is that whole the whole concept of having an earlier um, having earlier contests kind of gives you the opportunity to uh, kind of test your chops a little bit and see how uh, see how you would do against kind of the uh, the other groups or the other uh, competitors. Uh, and it was nice that there were a hundred people there because it gave you a wide variety of uh, of people to compete against. Yeah, that, that, that's excellent. You know, I, I I personally like it only because I mean not only but but because it's um you know there's, there's no there's not the same hubbub you get at the typical games you know you sort of show up and and you know get your stuff out and get your gear together and play <laughs> you know that's it's it's a good thing you know there's not too much uh, to distract you there's not too much and you're hanging around with with friends and meeting people and you know and it's it's just a, a good thing all around you know I agree I brought sound effects for tonight everybody I call this wind in the grass right here. What do you think? No, nobody? No takers? Okay. Nobody else out there wants to talk about the event and tell us how awful or wonderful it was. Oh, oh now the hands come up. All right. Okay. Here's uh, Matt MacArthur. All right, Matt, you're on, big guy. Cool. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a big success. Uh, well, for me, it's just exciting because, one, I, I, like Vin, I kind of like the piping contests that are strictly a piping contest. Uh, games are a lot of fun, but, you know, it's uh, a little easier to concentrate what you're doing. Um, 
knowing that it's completely dedicated to that. And also, I love uh, the idea of just indoor contests, period. Um, just take the weather as a factor right out of it. And uh, the other thing that's great, I think, is the, the fact that they're so early, both of them. Because um, for me, it's an excuse to, you know, keep working, uh, even over the winter. I know, like, people sometimes get burnt out from competing, and that's fine if you want to take a break from competing. You know, the winter is good for that, but it's not necessarily, like, a great idea that stop working. And this was, like, a really great drive for me, personally. Yeah. And, and you played well, Matt. You did, you did well, lad. You know, thank you very much. It wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, what do you think about one of the things that I foresee being a major challenge? Uh, should we grow anymore? Is uh, the venue? And the, it was it was a little bit frustrating to find a, a spot to warm up. Even even the professional events, which happened sort sort of towards the tail end. Uh, it was hard to find a space. What did you think, Matt? Like, you know, do you like the free-for-all, like, mad uh, mosh pit tune-up? Or, um, you know, do we need do we need a better venue? Or what's the scoop? Um, at the size it's at, um, I actually do like the venue. I could see that if it was a lot much larger, we'd start running out of space. Um, the warm-up thing is, like, you know, an issue. But I, I kind of like the common area. You can just play, and there's a lot of kind of energy there and it's almost like I can play and almost like it's private even though I, I, I can't necessarily hear myself as well as I want to I also don't have to worry about like making it a presentation when I'm really just warming up you know because and other pipers playing uh, I feel like I'm kind of playing privately in that way um, and uh, yeah it, it, I, I did like the space but um, yeah I think if it gets a lot larger you're going to start having trouble with people maybe warming up right before they go on Trying to find a spot, so yeah. That's but overall, I kind of like the mosh pit free for all uh, warm up zone. To a certain degree, I do too. I mean, um, and then for me, it's like as I started to get closer and closer to being on, um, I uh, started to get a little bit, a little bit frustrated because I want to hear the detail. And uh, uh, finally, um, there was like a sort of a clearing in the sound where I could get what I wanted out of it. And then I, I found I actually found my own room leading up to the Peabrock. But at that point. Uh, pretty much everything else had wound down, so um, so that's good. Thanks, thanks for chiming in there, Matt. And uh, uh, I want to bring Marilyn on now, who's got her hand up. Marilyn, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Ooh, doing good. You you got good levels, Marilyn. Very good. Well done. Yeah, uh, for the for the Peabrock. Um, I was going to say that I thought the facility was very nice. It's easy to get to. And I, I like the facility. Um, I didn't have any problem warming up out in the mosh pit. And uh, I thought it was very well organized. Everybody was very pleasant. And I thought things were well organized on a, like a clerical level. I think that uh, I think it would be fair to boast that uh, we ha we've got a great, well-organized team of people that help us out. I would say that, uh, you know, um, we're we're definitely blessed in Orinmore to have people who are really glad to help out. But uh, I would make it clear that, uh, you know, uh, it's mostly volunteers. Uh, most of the playing members of the band were busy playing, which is good. That's that's one thing that we want. But, but yeah, Stephanie, uh, my mom, Betsy Douglas, and then Donna Hanks was there. She's like expert veteran EUS PBA monitor, which – And Susan Sheehan. Yep, Susan was there, and also Billy Geringer's mom, Eileen, was there as well. 
Um, and they're all very, mm-hmm. they're all very devoted. And I'm sure I forgot to mention certain people, but the bottom line is, uh, they did a great job, I think. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Mom, Patty Miller was also yeah, there. That's, that's great. I th- you know, I think one of the, one of the things that I think needs mentioning is that, that the experience of doing these kinds of small independent indoor contests are so far removed from your typical summer games day, which is, you know, one, which is what I think people, which attract people to them, and, and two, which I think is uh, what we do. Um, it's easier to do, easier to put on, and it's less expensive, probably. Um, you know, unlike many of the games that are out there right now, which are huge financial burdens to many of the festivals that run them. Um, so, you know, I think I think searching for that different experience that sort of keeps the whole thing alive is an important, important thing to pay attention to. Definitely. Well, Vin, tell us about, um, I mean, we wanted to, uh, definitely segue into, uh, your latest article on pipe hacker, uh, which is in regards to the evolving, the evolving sort of, uh, flavor that, that competitions seem to be headed in. And, and, uh, um, did I just say beheaded? I think I did. Um, which is kind of interesting, (laughs) but, uh, uh, like, so what are you thinking here with this? And uh, the graphic on the, uh, the graphic on the article was second to none, I must say. The graphic. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it really comes in reference to the idea that, uh, you know, you know, can we expect the games and festivals to sort of, you know, you know, can we expect to keep piggybacking, you know, our art form on these festivals in a way that, you know, just becomes a greater and greater burden, you know? Um, I mean, it, it's every year, you know, games committees meet and, you know, I know for a fact some of them have, and I'm sure others do have the conversations. Um, you know, they're expensive. They're they're a lot of work, and you know, in a typical summer day, it's 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 no um, small matter to really. sort of pull them off they're going to be sanctioned and i you know can we continue to can we continue to operate this way without suddenly realizing we don't have any games anymore to compete at you know i mean each one of them have their own problems financially and um you know many are just one rainy day away from complete extinction um and and that includes some of the ones that have been around for 50 years or more yeah i know that uh i mean you know what do we do yeah, I know that um, it's interesting that the graphic here would appear to be of the Capital District Games. Um, I could be wrong there. Uh, it is. <laughs> is it? Yeah, and and I know that I know that no, it is, I think. they've had they've had problems in the past with that. Uh, you know, um, just if not well, in one year it didn't rain, but all the forecasts said rain, and so uh, a lot of people didn't come out. Uh, I think maybe I remember Eric McNeil talking mm-hmm. about that or. Or something, and uh, yeah, I know it's a uh, it's a big deal, and and it's like it's all very big, and I think the bigness of it puts you know um, puts a puts a bit of a strain on on uh, or certainly increases the risk that that things will fall through the cracks, especially um, I don't know uh, the piping and drumming contests. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, one of the major problems is that is that, you know, the, the USBBA as the sanctioning body really 
um, is really not has not positioned themselves to address that kind of extinction event. Like what happens when three greens drop from the calendar because they can no longer afford to function? I think um, I think government do do, bailouts. You know, if, you know, government bailouts, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, you know, no, the, bad, the bad taste. Okay. Events I'm talking about. You know, too soon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so. Uh, I do know what you mean, and and uh, and it's interesting. It's 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 very interesting how um, you know running a contest is. It's really not rocket science. I mean, you have to be you have to be organized. You need a team of people to do it, but it's not that hard. And and you're right when when you say that there's nothing that necessarily has to tie it to caber tossing, and and uh, um, and Highland dancing. Exactly. And uh, Brideys. We, I, I'm, oh, I'm, no, you've got to have the Brideys. Now, listen here, Pat. No, no, no. God. Pat, no, no, no. I am proud no, to say – I am proud to say <laughs> there was not a single deep-fried haggis dish uh, at the Orenmore Indoor. And I don't I don't know. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love a good Bridie. But, uh, you know, uh, don't you get sick of the Brideys sometime? I mean, never. 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 Pat's very – he's he's up in arms about this. He is He is emotional. He is, uh, what do you call it? Verklempt, perhaps. Hungry. Uh, oh, and now he's hungry. Now he's hungry. Now look what. Now look what we've done. Um, well, you know, it's 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 one. It's interesting because all those cultural trappings, you know, are are absent from many of these indoor events, right? And as are some of the things that that Matt mentioned earlier, like just you know being in the mosh pit and just feeling the energy and. All this stuff does not exist on your typical games. You know, you're you're off by yourself. You're finding your little shadowy corner to tune up, and you know your your tables maybe you know halfway down the field, and there's all you know there's a dozen pipers doing the same thing. You know, and everybody thinks facing. Yeah, and everybody thinks their their niche is the most important part of the games. Have you noticed that? Like, I don't (laughs) I don't enjoy going there and being looked down upon by uh, you know. Uh, morbidly obese guy dressed like Braveheart. I don't appreciate that. Yet uh, I get that a lot when I go to the games, especially the further, you know, the further into the heartland you get without, you know, sort of stereotyping too deeply here. But uh, I don't know. I, uh, I think I, I enjoy the, I enjoy the break from the uh, clanny intimidation thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, I think, I think where the solos occur on any given games most of them, I would say, the majority of them, um, sort of tell you right there what their feelings are about them. You know, um, you know, how much further away from everything can they possibly be? You know, um, you know what? How how, how rockier can <laughs> the ground be? You know. Um, yeah, I, I do you know, know what you mean. Just like, it's like all these things. Come, all these things combined, sort of, uh, sort of show you something that's under the surface, which no one really wants to talk about. But I think if you press people, they will, and and that's you know. A lot of people just don't want to run on the games committees. Don't want to run the piping and drumming contest anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Bruce. You know, it's yeah, Bruce Barkley. You know, uh, he just sort of typed in, and I think it's related. You know, um, uh, you know, where do you draw the line? I mean, cultural awareness uh, versus you know the business side of it. Um, you know, where where do you draw the line? Like, what? Uh, certainly, I wouldn't. Uh, it's hard. It would be hard to say that very many games are in it for the money. Um, it's most, it's mostly just to keep the sort of cultural flavor alive at this point. Well, but they also don't want to lose money either. Yeah. Well, they can't lose money or they won't be in business again. I mean, um, right. And and it's not to say that you can't have, you know, the the cultural trappings of kilted 
pipers and drummers either. You know, that's easy to have. I mean, I can't, I can't remember the last time I had, you know, more than one person watching, you know, my solos when I was playing, you know, it's, you know, I, th you know, I think last year at, at Bear Hill, um, I had a couple when I was online waiting for food, you know, sort of compliment me on my P-Rock. And I was like, more shocked by the fact that they actually were there listening <laughs> than I was by the fact that they were complimenting me. Yeah. You know? No, then you're, I mean, uh, most people should be. Uh, very complimentary of your P rock playing. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try something here because I know theoretically we might, we may be able to communicate with Bruce himself if I click this button. Hey, hey, Bruce, are you there? Nothing. Nothing there. Mike must not be uh, hooked up or something. Um, I know uh, we had, we've got Peter Elliott here with his hand up and uh, be interesting to see what he's up to today. Hey, Peter, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing today? Very good. What did you have uh, on your mind? Hey, Peter. Oh, I, as a, I guess a new competitor, um, going to the games the last few years, it seems to me as more like a, like a carnival-type atmosphere. And, uh, you know, definitely the pipes were, you know, at the bottom of the list. And it just seemed like to me more like the, the rock bands with maybe a piper uh, something like that seemed to be more of an interest to the crowd. So I, my, I guess the good question would be is what are we doing, especially our organizations like USPBA, um, maybe putting out like almost like a, uh, a predetermined, hey, how do you run a, a piping contest type thing, and you know maybe attacking that at that angle. Yeah, I think you might find from the USPBA oh, yeah, I, I, that's, that, a, that's a point. Go ahead. I, mean, I, th I think, uh, you know, how to run the game. I mean, USB is very good at helping the games sort of give them information on how to do it. And a lot of the games do it well. You know, they do do run a good show. Um, and, you know, I think that's really, you know, it's almost like now that they have, you know, it's kind of like payback time almost, you know, like like they're not seeing the uh, the return, as it were, you know, on, on, on this all this effort that they're putting on. Now they've listened to They've run now. If if a game's happened to run the perfect contest and the heavens opened up, you know what would be the result? Everybody would be happy, but then what? You know, they still have a reduced gate. There's still twenty thousand in the hole, and you know they got to think about next year. So, it's, right. I, you know, it's it's one of these. I think I would be more inclined, especially as a new competitor, to go to a bagpipe. Uh, whether it's pipe band or solo event, then a multicultural event that's, I guess, been going on for umpteen years. Just because maybe they were the first to invite us, maybe, you know, it's time to move on. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, you know, it, you know, all of these, all of these things sort of collected together, you know, you know, are a really big issue, which I think the USPBA, I think, is, you know, it would behoove them to address it, you know. Um, you know, it's, I think it's really high time that, you know, the organization, as it were, you know, and, and everybody in it, like, that includes the membership as well, you know, step forward and, you know, you know, created something that can sustain themselves almost. Yeah, I would. Right. I, um, I guess, when, oh, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I was uh, just going to be, I was just going to say, I think that you would find, that uh, there's a very good reason that the USPBA isn't more encouraging of uh, other, you know, others sort of learning the ropes. And the reason would be just the overwhelming number of 
games that they have to manage throughout the year. I, I think uh, they have their hands full as it is. Um, I would like to see, you know, uh, I, I might like to see just a more organized, uh, a more organized sort of coherent way to determine what games people should go to and, and which ones, uh, you know, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Like there needs to be maybe a circuit or something. Are you talking about right, exactly. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll tell you like a, another niche market like mountain biking. I mean, they run races all over the country and, you know, there's groups or organizations just like USPBA that, you know, do the underwriting and the insurances and stuff like that. But there are, there are circuits, you know, the circuits, but it's also, when you go there, you're racing a mountain bike. You're not, you know, it's not mixed in with any other kind of, I guess, um, aspects of it. And then the other thing too, is that these organizations put like almost like a handbook or like, all right, I want to, I like Peter Elliott want to run a competition. All right, here's some information on how how it should be set up or how's you know, a safe way to do it, yeah. a good way to do it, uh, and that's and that's my point. And it wouldn't have to be USPBA, but you know, it could be all the organizations saying, hey, we're gonna create like a benchmark for uh, events. Here's how here's how we put it together, and that could be based on God. I mean, there's so much experience within all of the organizations throughout the U.S., you would figure you could get a, a contingent say, yeah, this is what we like about competitions, whether it's solo or pipe band versus, uh, um, you know, the whole big games itself. And I, and I think I brought this point up earlier. I really think the arena aspect of it uh, would, would, would do well, you know, meeting like the center stage, um, uh, you know, the uh, stands all the way around it, you're coming in just like you see at the Worlds and some other uh, uh, aspects. You, you create the atmosphere, it's for bagpipes, and uh, I think you could have a winner. Yeah, I, th- I think you're... Yeah. No, I think you make a really good point there, Peter. It's, it's you know, I think the games themselves, by treating certain things as more important, tell the crowd, you know, subtly and overtly that, you know, this is something worth paying attention to. You know, and, and whether that's the piping, whether that's the sheepdogs or the caber toss and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, the more attention that's placed on it by its, A, its location on the grounds or its the level of attention and effort put into showcasing it, I think, you know, sends a message. And, and, it's, and it's, it's that same message that, that is, you know, has got me sort of thinking about, you know, how long before, you know, we, we face extinction of competitions at Highland Games, you know. Because yeah. yeah. the message is clear. You know, yeah. you wonder uh, how many dog owners say, "God, I can't stand the bagpipes being at these games." You know, and then you know we think some of the same. <laughs> Great, well, Peter. but anyway, that that's my thoughts on all that. I I think uh, there's enough intelligent people out there, and with all with whether you're you're a member of the USBBA or or whomever group, that there could be some kind of a basic standards of this is how you do it, guys, and uh, you know, whether it's a pipe band running it or an individual or a marketing company, which you see in a lot of niche companies, uh, whether it's running races, mountain bikes, you know, all these niche industries, uh, you get these groups that just like triathlons. I mean, that's what they do. Set up the circuit and go for it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a, you know, I'm going to date myself now. Ready? Uh, you know, this was tried and this argument and this issue has been alive for a long time. And, you know, uh, Dave Hall of the Ulster Pipe Band, and 
uh, was running the piping drumming at the Delco Games, the old Delco Games. If anybody out there even remembers what they are or knows, um, you know, and he had, uh, you know, for a couple of years ran the piping and drumming in the afternoon, you know, the, the solos and, and the, the pipe bands and had a mass bands at night under the lights. And it was kind of cool, you know, and the crowd, you know, went bananas. You know, they all, you know, the, the, the Devon Showgrounds in Pennsylvania are a big horse uh, showground. So they have a huge grandstand and they have a huge uh, track and a big field with, you know, all the trappings, lights and everything else. And it, and it was actually, it was pretty, pretty impressive. And that, but that's the level of spectacle that, that is hard to pull off, you know, at every single game if, you, if you're really going to try to do something like that. That's right. And, you know, and eventually it didn't work. <laughs> you know, it was impressive enough, but it only lasted a couple of years because it was almost impossible to pull off on a yeah. regular, sustainable basis. I think you're absolutely you right know? there, Vin. You're you're absolutely right. And and I think, you know, um, I think there will be some organizations that do well. Uh, great, you know, one that definitely comes to mind is um, uh, Glengarry Games, Maxville. Right. I mean, they they have a huge, enormous event every single year. And and resultingly, uh, resultantly, apparently resultingly is not actually a word. I learned this the other day. Uh, resultantly, um, you know, it's a huge, you know, it's a huge pilgrimage for uh, people in North America every year to go there. Um, another one that comes to mind that's springing to life a little bit as a contest is the Herkimer Irish Fest here in New York. Um, it's just really cool. Awesome. Awesome event. And and. Uh, it's primarily focused on the sort of Celtic rock uh, sort of thing, but now they have a they have a bagpipe band contest there as well, which uh, draws draws part of the crowd. You know, keeps them keeps them interested and keeps things mixed up. Anyway, uh, Peter, uh, uh, I want to move on, but thanks very much for all your thoughts there. That was really great. I do want to give Bruce here another shot because I think he called in and and uh, might have some thoughts here for us. So we'll give it one more go here. Hey Bruce, uh, can you hear us? Yeah. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Fire, yeah. Fire hey, away, there, Bruce. How How are you? I'm doing pretty can good. Can you hear me? Okay. Good. Yeah, we hear you great. Hey, just just wanted to know, you know, would it would it not be benefit? I'm just shooting at the breeze here, but I'm just kind of wondering, are you are you opposed to having the, you know, the games portion? where bagpiping and drumming drum major contests are held separately or I don't know that we get the draw that we that we're looking for nor the appeal I'm just saying that I don't I don't know on a marketing standpoint um, and trying to, to have people to host these venues would that would that be a burden to those people because I think the draw is both don't you think it's both well, I do. You know, I, you one know, thing that would that's, definitely uh, that's a good, that's a good point. Or, or Vin, you can go. Go ahead. No problem. Well, I, I was just going to say, I think uh, you know the, the draw is is really the issue. I mean, I think if piping competitions, you know, were a bigger draw, you know, then there would be no issue. You it's know, karma. the games would be falling all over themselves to get sanctioned and, and, and to keep drawing pipers and drummers for bigger, bigger contests. The opposite is true. I think. Um, you know, it's it's it's. It's, the gate is falling year after year, and not because of piping and drumming, but because it's just, I don't know whether that's a, it's a reflection on the times economically or, um, you know, the cultural significance of, of, of a Highland gathering, um, or, you know, it's, it's in the waning characteristics of it. Um, but, you know, the, the, the gate is falling, and people are staying away, and it's harder and harder to keep them coming back, which is why you have the Celtic rock bands and why you have, you know, the, the, the sheepdogs and, and everything else that, that draws people into families. 
um, you know, the carnival atmosphere is, is a bigger draw with rides and bouncy castles than, than you know, your typical pipe band competition. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you know, Vin, I don't want you to get too far off into radical land here and suggest that bouncy castles aren't the bomb. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, I, you know, I just like, let's just rein it in know. here. Got to rein it in. I think, um, in, in my response, um, uh, to, uh, to you, Bruce would, you know, it, it's like my mind automatically goes to the idea that yes, you're correct. I think without the other elements, the gate would definitely suffer. And uh, for anyone who's wondering what we mean by gate, that's simply just the number of people that come to spectate. Um, and then see, my mind instantly goes to, um, yes, you're right. And then that makes me wonder, well, why is it that uh, what we do uh, has so little draw, has so little appeal uh, to people? Uh, Peter was mentioning like mountain bike races. And uh, um I don't really know. I've never been to one, but I assume that there's probably some some spectation, for lack of a better word, that goes on there. And definitely golf comes to mind as well. Yeah, it's probably friends and family of the riders or people in the race itself, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think we did get that. I think you do get that. You still get some people out to watch when you host an event without the caber. Um, Uh, and, and, and frankly, I, I've always pushed for, uh, uh, to keep the caber. I'd love, I'd love to see some of the guys in our band, uh, you know, caber, caber it up a little bit. <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe out in the parking lot. I love this hammer throw, man. Yeah. Well, the hammer throw, sheep, the sheep That's bag so toss, the, the forklift toss thing and the caber toss. Uh, we've got a great parking lot full of a lot of, you know, full of a lot of cars that, you know, uh, we haven't, I think the, I think the Celtic hall has insurance. You know, I, I think we should just do it right in the parking lot and, uh, you know, and we'll take 15 bucks from everyone who wants to watch. And uh, now you well, get... I think you, I, can I just mention too, I, I think that you have to look at, at the, at the value of what you get. Um, for me as a piper, I enjoy listening to a great band. Um, I enjoy, uh, you know, doing that side of it. Um, you know, but. There's many people out there that go for different reasons. Um, I guess you have to ask yourself, do you, do you want to have a venue where you're just going to, you know, be judged on, on your playing and and strictly have it be more of a competition, uh, much like they do with piano solos and, you know, that type of venue? Or do you want to create the play some wholesome family, you know, a fun type thing? You know, I'm not saying that we have to get carnivals. But saying, you know, what what are we what are we doing it for, and how do we want to approach it from there? Yeah, I'm, I I think yeah, these are that's a great that's a great question. Yeah, really good. You know, yeah, and it's, I, I think I think your your perfect your answer is found in all the things the good things about some of these uh, these independent indoors. You know, it's you know it's it's creating an atmosphere that you know I mean for the most part you know the families of band members and, and soloists are not going out for the carnival atmosphere they're going out because their family member is playing. And so I got to be honest, you know, no matter what, where you go, I think, I think that, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm a Scottish guy. I got Scottish blood, but, uh, I don't go to bagpipe contests, uh, specifically for the Brideys and the caber toss and the kilt thing. Um, you know, like I'm there, I'm, I'm there and I want to play. That's, 
Yeah, that's my that's my outlet for awesome music is is the games, you know, and that's Amen. and that's, you know, and that's what I'm there for. It's like I'm there because now here is an excuse and an opportunity uh, to play my bagpipes really, really awesome and to have people who also enjoy that, you know, that's this is where we all assemble. And so for me, it's like, um, you know, well, I miss the caber toss. It makes me sad. Uh, it's something that uh, and like in. In pack and see, I'm, I got a little bit of tear in my eye here tonight uh, with the whole camera <laughs> thing. And, and don't even get me – I can't even talk about the fact that uh, my idea for the bouncy castle was vetoed by the committee uh, this year. <laughs> but I would say – I would say I would say that uh, I'm willing to make those sacrifices, um, you know, in order to have a, a convenient, uh, uh, a convenient, well-run, concise uh, contest. So, anyway, Bruce, thanks very much for your thoughts there. And we're going to move on. We got uh, Matt. Oops, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Um, anyway, thanks, Bruce. Uh, we're going to move on to Matt. He had his hand up. Go ahead, Matt. What did you have for us? Hey, um, you actually started touching upon it a lot, Andrew, with what you're just saying. But I thought, like, I think a, a question that is important for us to ask is, like, pipers and drummers, is is who loves bagpipes and who loves the music? And and the answer is it's the pipers and drummers. You know, um, as far as the games, the piping is is it's entertaining when it's a spectacle, and you know, and it's entertaining for people hear kind of lighter tunes that they can grasp the melody of. You know, Scott Labrave, and that's which is great. People should enjoy that. But you know, when it comes to the serious music, people are not going to the people because the, the crowd aren't the people who love it. It's us. And who are you playing for? Are you playing for the crowd when you go to the games, or are you playing for the pipers and drummers that you know also love the music? And um, you know, if you look at like the earliest piping contests, you know, in the 1700s, people weren't wearing kilts, and they were piping contests. And then the kilts got introduced. You know because it was more of like a pageantry thing. And then eventually... And, and, and chicks dig it, right? Chicks definitely dig it. Uh, in my experience, yes. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, like there was a mass bands kind of thing introduced. Had to, had to play mass bands if they wanted to compete. And as things went, you know, it became more about entertaining the crowd. And all of a sudden, you know, that's where the value was to games and, and was the entertainment aspect. And it was, I don't think it was ever about a love of piping once it got to that level and that's kind of my thought where I do love the games and I love competing at the games, but if things had to transition to indoor contests or like specifically music driven contests without the cavers and God forbid, no brideys, uh, that that's the way it might have to go. You know, don't kill the brideys. Yeah. Pat, you're getting Pat all upset here, man. Like, well, everybody Pat some brideys for you out there somewhere. Yeah. Pat does nice things. Everybody, he does good things. It's not necessary to continue to, to torture him in this manner. Uh, that being well, said, I think, uh, you know, I think what's, what's the answer, man. I mean, like, you know, like, let's talk about some answers. Like, I, I think, you know, you're talking about brideys. You know, you're talking about brideys here. Well, we're still talking about brideys. Brideys are in no danger of being. <laughs> okay. So you're saying, but uh, no, we're talking, I mean, what's, what's the, what's the ultimate answer? I mean, you know, and, and as I mentioned in, in my post on, on pipe peppers, you know, it's, it's, it's time for the USPBA to step up, you know, and, and it's, time to sort of you know flex its capital you know flex its, its cultural muscle and do something about it you know like actually fun games you know run games so not, not games but competitions you know actually whether they're indoor or outdoor or um but, you know create a circuit that is funded and hosted and run 
by the people who care about it the most. Yeah, let me tell it's you. As simple as that. Let me tell you. Let me sort of tell you sort of my spin on that, which I think, which is that I think you're on the right track. However, uh, I don't think direct EOSPBA intervention with events is the right way to go at all. For example, uh, and I'll put this right out there. Um, I think that the Oranmore Pipe Band can run a much better games than the people in the EOSPBA ever could. Uh, I'd love to be, you know, I'd, I'd gladly be proven wrong there, but uh, that's how I feel. Like I know that our team is really good and that we put on a good show. That being said, um, <clears throat> I think putting together a circuit would be really cool to be done by the EOSPBA. For example, um, you know, maybe you could have something where uh, the overall point winner from Oren Moore, in, you know, from the major contests, let's say in the Northeast, or in more indoors, Back Bay, Manchester, Altamont, Loon, Glasgowlands, you know, let's put some points together. Let's find out who the top player in the Northeast is. Let's have that sponsored by the USPBA. Um, an analogy would be something like college basketball, which uh, I'm a Syracuse native, so I've got college basketball in my blood. But, you know, uh, when, when Syracuse plays at home, I mean, the NCAA, yeah, they, they adjudicate, right? They've got referees. But uh, Syracuse University is the one that, that owns the venue, and they put on the games, and, and they make money from that. And, and they do a great job, and, mm-hmm. you know, ES, ESPN comes along, and they, they tape the games, and uh, this, that, and the other thing. But then at the end of the season, uh, the NCAA, which is the overarching governing body of the whole sort of NCAA basketball thing, uh, they put on a, a, a sort of killer tournament. Uh, it's really, it's a huge spectacle. It gets big ratings on TV. You know, that's what I'd like to see the EOS PBA give us, uh, <clears throat> give us the next step, you know, cause I think we do have good events. I think some of them could be better. Uh, I think some of them uh, are awesome. We have good events, but then what, you know, who's. Yeah, but they but they still, they still rest on the backs of, of, of festivals and, and, and committees that, that could any moment, you know, blow up in, in everybody's face and disappear forever and many have already you know i think i think what you need is a, it's a circuit of people like your more team you know john daggett's team um and, and these others that who who can run you know their own sort of version of the indoor based on what they like but have it be you know i don't know supported in some way you know i mean how much better do you think the Oren Moore indoor could be if it had funds you know well, let me ask you this: How much better would the Oren Moore? How much better would the? How much better could the Oren Moore events be if it was part of a, a distinct, well-defined circuit? Where now you know, wait, if I show up to all these games, uh, suddenly there could be a huge reward at the end of the day. There could be a huge uh, carrot right. at the end of the tunnel. You know, I think that would be better stimulus than than the EUSPBA getting in there and. But that's, but that's... That still sort of relies on the fact that people are sitting around, you know, the, you know, you use PBA and others are waiting around for others to sort of come up with those ideas and do it, you know, um, you know, and people will, but you know, it, that that's slow going. I'm I'm talking about something quicker and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more far reaching, you know, something, some action that could actually create multiple back bays and or more indoors and Woodbury forest indoors and things all over the Eastern seaboard, you know. I I, so really, you I mean, are, are you really I mean, convinced? Much? Are you really convinced that the USPBA would be any more reliable than the other organizations that that put them together? Uh, you know, well, here here's the thing: like it's it's sustained by the membership who do all the playing and competing, right? So it's it's success, you know, in 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 sort of 
supporting all of that relies on the activity of the membership and its enthusiasm, right? So as long as the membership roles, you know, stay where they are and or increase, then we're in good shape to keep something like that going and create something that as is, is as viable as what we have now, which relies solely on games. Yeah. Hey, is it, Adam, did you ever get sorted out? Are you there and kind of quiet or what's the scoop here? Any Adam Holdaway? I, he's still online, but I don't hear him. But uh, it would be good, Vin. To, let's move on to touch on some maintenance things before the end of the night, just briefly, because I don't know if – and does anyone out there have any maintenance questions that when they saw the show, they were like, ooh, I got I to gotta ask a question. Anybody out there? No? No hands? Oh, someone's becoming Sorry, attentive. It's all talking about competitions all well and good if you don't have a good instrument to, to play at them, right? Yeah, here's Marilyn. Let's let's see what Marilyn's up to today. Hey, Marilyn, what's uh, what's on your mind? I have both a wet and a dry bagpipe. Like, I my hemp dries out, but yeah, I can have moisture on my drone reeds. So I have a Peter Chrysler. It's kind of um. You know, a low tech water trap. Is it time for me to upgrade or what? Because I seem to have both dry issues and wet issues. Okay. So <clears throat> explain this to me again. So your hemp is dry, but your reeds are wet. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's actually a really good question. Uh, let me tell you what I would say about that. Uh, this time of year, and Mar Marilyn, um, just so everyone else knows, you're from the upstate New York area. Uh, <clears throat> reed condensation does not have necessarily have to do with the fact uh, that uh, your bagpipe is really wet. Um, uh, definitely in the early stages of playing, it could have to do with the fact that uh, the water is condensing on your drone reeds. It's not necessarily that things are any less wet or dry, but uh, when the surface of a of a of an object is cold, uh, and then uh, there's sort of warm, moist air being blown at it, as you know, like if dew forms on the grass, right? It's a sort of same phenomenon, right? Uh, so the water may be condensing on your reeds, and your bagpipe might not really be that wet. Does that make any sense at all? Okay. So yeah. Okay. And then actually, actually, what do you Actually, what you have going on is, is on the out and the external your external environment is it's so dry your hemp is drying out, which is actually you know it's it, it's a recipe for disaster if you want me to throw a warning out there it's because the external is the outside is so dry your inside you're just blowing humid air into into the instrument um, and those two just cannot coexist for very long without something happening yep. one of it being you know one thing being condensation the other being more serious things so i would definitely swab out your pipes yeah it's it's one of those things that uh it's it can be a bit of a misnomer uh but uh yeah that's what happens when your drone reeds get wet um it's not you know obviously there's a heavy degree of moisture in inside your bag but uh it has to do with um uh, the drone reed itself and the surface of that reed actually being below the dew point inside the bag. It's like a science thing. Right. And so, uh, okay. And, and so is, my, this gonna my, correct, my, is it going to correct itself when uh, winter gets over? 
Well, uh, you know, as things get uh, as things get warmer, uh, as the natural environment outside of of your bagpipe gets warmer, uh, it'll take longer for it to condense, right? Uh, what's the you know the temperature of your breath that you're blowing into the bag is probably so you know uh, it's obviously not quite ninety eight point six degrees, but that's the originating temperature, and uh, by the time it reaches the bag, it's probably uh, whatever it is. It's a constant. And so the temperature inside your bag will gradually increase. Uh, and then once you reach certain temperature inside the bag, uh, and if your drone reads are below the temperature where something would condense on it, uh, then you're going to have condensation. And uh, obviously, the more moisture that's in your bag, the, what is it, the lower the dew point becomes, I think. Uh, I can't exactly remember uh, the exact logic in my head. But uh, yeah, so that's what's happening is uh, the, the reason that moisture condenses on your reed is twofold, but the biggest reason is the fact that um, uh, that that's the coldest point inside your bag, uh, and that's, that's what the water hits. The water will always condense the coldest area first. Um, and then with, with the hemp, the hemp is caused by the dryness of the air. You know, in the winter, you have dry skin as well because the air actually uh, will extract moisture from your skin. And it's the same is true with the hemp. So if you're playing and uh, <clears throat> condensation and moisture is, is uh, sort of getting on your hemp, uh, the air is then going to e extract that out. And, and um, the same thing is happening. Same thing is happening on the wood of your instrument as well, which is something to really be watchful for, especially now. Yeah. As the seasons change. Yeah. This is the time of year where all the parts start falling off of your uh, pipes, especially if they're like, you know, purchased, especially economically. Right. The, uh, you know, like everything gets loose and that's cause the, the, uh, the air is, is just constantly extracting moisture from, uh, from the hemp, from the wood itself. And, uh, uh, you just kind of have to be careful. You gotta, gotta keep it in. I try to keep my pipes in a nice, warm, moist environment. Uh, you know, if possible, I mean, sometimes it's just not really possible, but the dirty secret is, is he's actually having me breathe on them right now. Yeah, Pat's Pat's here, and uh, I told him I'd give him a bridey if he uh, just breathes on my pipes. <laughs> but uh, uh, Marilyn, does that make any any sense at all? So it's yeah, I, it I, makes yeah, it makes good sense. And I I try to treat my pipes like a child. Like I don't leave them in a car, you know. I don't leave them where it's too hot in the sun or anything. I try to treat them like I would a child. So anyway, yeah. Um, back to my original question. I, I appreciate your help with that because it does make sense to me. Yeah. Thank you. And just, uh, you know, um, just uh, keep an eye on, on your hemp and, and wrap it nicely and tightly with, with waxed hemp uh, with a nice tight seal and try and compress it a lot to, uh, you know, to try and prohibit as much moisture as possible from getting in there. But that's a really awesome question. Do we have any other uh, awesome bag moisture off, off your pipes as well as much as possible when you can to just keep it out of there. Yeah. At the end. Should you should you take everything apart then? Should you take all the drones out and all the, the Yeah, Pat's asking, should you take your pipes fully apart when you're done playing? Um and I think the answer I, I, the answer for me is um it would be yes for me. Yeah, the answer for me is no. Uh I don't. Um and uh you know, it all depends on on what's best for your instrument. I play a hide a sheep, exactly, a hide right. sheep, and uh, it's good to give them a little bit of air. I find, but to let them dry out all night, 
that's just going to cause me to have a super dry bagpipe. Yeah. Uh, which this time of year is right. like. I, I swab, you know, I just swab out all the con- condensing moisture on everything. I mean, you, you know, you'll look inside your drones, you'll see beads of moisture on there sometimes, and you know, getting you got to get rid of that. You can't leave it there. You know, because the more you leave it there, the more you know you're getting you're creating the same conflict with the dry air outside and the moist air inside. You know, and the wood is just going to give up on you <laughs> at some point. What about oilage? Do you uh, do you oil your uh, your your pipes there this time of year, Vin? I I did. I just I actually just got finished um, putting a light swab through everything. Um, I have been doing you know a new set of Atherton's. Um, you know, Dave Atherton actually recommends that, so I've been doing it. Yeah, I would do whatever Dave says. Player, yeah. I would do whatever Dave says, not Absolutely. only because well, you know, but, my, but that's the. That said, my, my old Hendersons, I used to oil um, lightly maybe once every few months. Now, is this like, is this EVOO or is this uh, straight, like peanut oil? Like what kind of oil are we talking about here? Uh, this is a Boar Doctor oil. Oh, cool. This is the, you know, special formulation by, uh, you know, you know, made for music, musical instruments. I don't oh. know what it's made out of, but it's... Uh, seems to be the, the stuff because i know the celtic hall here uh they have a fryer maybe i could use some of that oil yeah. um but maybe or, well, you know I used, to, I used to use all kinds of things i don't know yeah well i mean you're the you're the you are the pipe hacker i mean i wonder if you, we could make our own oil somehow one one thing i'm dying yeah, i'm dying for an article about how to make se- your own seasoning too but uh but but i digress <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, the the secret recipe of airtight, I think, is um, is is like uh, lanolin or some some raw form of uh, you know, fat or something like that. It's like it's like some weird, you know, thing that they put in hand lotion <laughs> or something. Then let's let's address this last. Uh, let's take this as the last question here. We got one from Michael Gillespie here. Uh, he says, "I'm new to piping and I can't find a chandelier that I can blow." The easiest ones I have are still too stiff. I've ruined a few trying to sand them. Do you have any advice? Uh, you want to take a stab at that one, Vin? I, you know, I, I would say, you know, first off, I mean, you know, sanding some and ruining some is always a good thing. That's how you, that's how you learn, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think um, you, you really gotta, you really gotta blow through it sometimes. It depends on where you're, what result you're looking for. If you want to read, that's gonna be, you know free and easy you know you might want to start with something a little less hard or if you want to really something that's stable and it's going to you know last you say the full season or more um you know you're going to have to maybe use the rubber band trick the little sort of orthodontic rubber band around the center which i've never really uh, done too much of um but other than that you know the other reed makers will will recommend sort of lightly pinching you know the sound box uh, just above the wrapping. Yeah, I would say, I would uh, say this about that. You know, one of the things is, uh, there's definitely, um, there's definitely a little bit of, of blood, sweat and tears that's going to be involved in breaking in any read. Uh, one, you know, if it's just simply too hard, one of the things that often gets overlooked by new players is, uh, if your bagpipe is leaking air, uh, your read's going to be hard to blow. Um, and, and that's something it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, and so one thing I'd recommend is going through and I, and I can explain it to you right now, real quick, uh, the, the process to go through to make sure that your bagpipe's not leaking air before 
before you start, you know, trying to play any read. Because, um, you know, if air's leaking out, it's going to make you feel lightheaded and unable to do anything. So <clears throat> here's uh, basically my, my logic pattern here is simply going from the inside of your bag and working your way out. So um, I always teach this first thing when I do a maintenance workshop. Step one, yeah, you're going to start on the very inside, making sure the bag itself is holding air. And what you want to do is cork up your three drones and your channer stock and then blow up the bag with your blowpipe <clears throat> as tight as you can. And, and make sure that after 30 seconds, there's no air that's escaped out of there. Um, you, you, you know, if you're a hide player, you might need seasoning. If you're a synthetic player, uh, you just kind of want to pray and hope that it's holding air. Um, and you also want to check your flapper valve on your blowpipe. All right. Step two is going to be to put your drones, uh, to put your drones back in and your channer in and make sure that the joints, the hemp joints are nice and snug. If they're loose, there will be air that leaks through there. Okay. And then, um, you want to do the same, same with the channer, make sure it's nice and, uh, you know, nicely, nicely put together. Step three is related, but you want to make sure that all your reeds are firmly seated in the reed seats. So, uh, if they're not, if they're just kind of jiggling around, uh, there's going to be air that escapes around the reeds instead of going through the reeds. So this is kind of like the third step is the reed seats. And that includes your channel reed. If it's just loose in there, you're going to have steadiness issues and you're going to lose air. So make sure, you know, you use nice waxed hemp on all of your reed seats uh, and make sure that they're in there snugly and that no air is getting through. Okay. And only at that point should you, uh, you know, once you're sure that your bagpipe is not leaking air from anywhere, only at that point should you start to break in your reed. Um, I don't know if that helps at all, uh, Mike. But uh, thanks for that question. Does that sound good, Vin? Should we wrap it up here? Yeah, I think. I mean, I, you know, I would only add that you know, a, after that point, you know, um, it's you know, it's it's the selection of the reeds, you know, at the very beginning too. After you've reached that point, you know, if you can't play the reed for you know a good length of time if it's brand new, um, you probably it's probably too hard. <laughs> you can get an easier one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I think if you ask your your local uh, uh, your local reed seller, and uh, I don't, you know, uh, Piper's Dojo definitely comes to mind as you know, we we'd be happy to help anybody that that uh, you know is trying to find a super easy read. We can probably hook you up, and uh, if not, we can sand. You, you'd be amazed how much we can sand down a read and have it survive uh, to the other end. So, uh, you know, uh, Mike, give me a call if you still don't have any luck. So, uh, let's call it in there. And I'm sorry that Adam didn't really, didn't really work out this week, but we'll try and get him on in the future. Hopefully he can finish giving us his story and maybe help us out with some other topics. So Adam, uh, if you're out there and can hear us, thanks very much for, for chiming in. So, um, we will journey on. I think Pat and I are going out for a bridey. Definitely. And, and, uh, and, uh, anyways. One on me. Yep. Thanks for, thanks for, well, Vin, I've heard you not. You were buying? Is that what you said? Yeah, I think he said he was buying. (laughs) Buying the bratty. And, uh, uh, thanks very much. We'll see you next week on, what's this thing called again? Oh, yeah. Bagpipe Nation. There we go. So we're going to, let's play a little music and we'll see you next week. All right. Good night, all.